Um, so as Tessa said, uh, we have been discussing, we have made some statements. Um, some of them is like, what does it mean to think through space? What does it mean to think through the body? Um, what does it mean to think through materiality? That, that is, thinking through materiality, it's one of the specificities of art as a, um, as a field of research that is different from other fields. So that has been said in an abstract way the, these days. So I was trying to find uh, in my own process how to make explicit how is it how how this has been for me, um, and so I think that talking about a space is easier if I show you some special decisions in two exhibitions. So that's what I'm gonna do. But also it would be nice if we discuss that context and a space are not just physical entities, are more, uh, how we could say, discursive entities. So I'm going to show some examples of, on that. Um, and what I'm going to do with the two exhibitions I'm going to show is try to unfold the process a little bit. So maybe you will find me when I do that unfolding process, talking about things that we think are irrelevant or banal, but in these small details uh, at the end makes sense how these small details explains, I don't know, made me realize of something that I wasn't thinking at the beginning. So um, one of the I think one example of this idea that not all the spaces or the context are physical is this intervention uh, of the artist, he's Brazilian, his name is Sildo Meireles. I think for me it's a piece that chose intervene in a space that is not necessarily physical. So what he did... Um, he, in the 70s, in Brazil, that when in this time there, when dictatorship was a very strong issue, he uh, collect the Coca-Cola um, bottles, and he made a printing of a, a subversive message, like a message against imperialism, and they give the bottles back. And, and this, a piece is called uh, insertions, insertions, insertions in ideological circuits. So for me, it was when when they first told me about this piece, it was a a nice understanding of how you can circulate a message in a non-physical space. Okay, so. Uh, this, this, is, this was a quick example of this idea of what a discursive context could be. Can you, how, can you describe which discursive, discursive context is? What is the context of this piece? Like, what is the space of this piece? The framing. So, when if you go to a museum and you see these battles exhibited in a pedestal. That's a kind of experience. 
very different from the experience of the one who got this battle in their home. Like, I don't, did you have, like, in the 70s, this kind of distribution of, like, a truck will come to the neighborhoods and distribute the bottles and etc. Yeah, okay. We don't have it anymore. Um, so this experience of the one that is in his house and is going to drink a Coca-Cola and find these measures is a different experience for the one who see the battles in the museum. So... Uh, for me, part of the curatorial uh, role is how to create a context, what is the best context for uh, a certain piece. Is it a museum? Is it somewhere else? And I think this uh, creating the context for a piece is also a challenge, an interesting challenge for an artist. So I think when I'm talking now about uh, curatorial approaches, um, I don't think it's something for someone that just wants to be a curator. It could be useful also for artists. Um, and also for me, this piece is very emblematic because it helped me understand um, what that representation of an issue or a problem is not the only possibility for artists or for us as curators. It's not that I have a topic in mind like imperialism, then I make a painting uh, depicting the, a situation that reflects imperialism. It's a mechanism that goes, uh, that, that flows, that flows, within the system. So I like uh, this idea, I think it's very powerful, this idea of uh, that the poetry is in the gesture of making, mm -hmm. not necessarily like in the final product. And related to this, there, there's also an emblematic piece that has been important for me uh, this artist, uh, his name, he's an Afro-American artist. His name is Fred Wilson. Fred Wilson, and he was invited to a museum, an historical museum in his city. I forgot his city in the United States. Um, but instead of doing a painting or a sculpture, what he did is he brought from the bodega from the no, no, como. no, no, from the storage yeah, like from the collection uh, reserve yeah. the storage of the museum in the museum they have the, these uh, things, these sculptures like hidden, like it's something that doesn't deserve to be shown and those are the indigenous people from the from the country so they he brought them and put it looking at the pieces of the museum like if they were the expectators of the of this official story that the museum wants to talk, tell. So this is another example of the that the piece is the gesture and not necessarily an object that you make. So I've been inspired by, by these ideas. Uh, but this was just uh, an example of 
space as something else than a physical thing, a space as a discursive space. And when I say discursive space, I, I meaning that it's not the physicality and the materiality of the space, but also all the practices around the space, all the history, and all the uses that the space has had in the past. So all these uh, add layers to the space and makes it a more complex uh, entity. So uh, I'm gonna start with the with the example. So something that happens a lot uh, when I go to museums, you enter in a museum and usually you find thematic exhibitions. Like for example, women in the I don't know, women in the century, any century, for example. And they divide the topic, this big topic, in little topics, and they put like here the topic 1A, here the topic 1B, here the topic 1C. So for me, when I w used to go to the museums, I found it boring, this kind of linear linearity, because it was like going like what I asked to myself is, why did they, didn't they write a book? If they want me to uh, have so much content, 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 uh, why to put all this information in the space? Why, what is the space for? Does it an exhibition need to be done? Or could it have been a book or a radio conversation? So. If we are going to put something in a space, it has to need this space. Otherwise, uh, I'm using the space in an instrumental way. What does it mean? Uh, in an instrumental way, it's like I'm thinking that this space is a a, a container. And how do you say An empty container where I'm just putting things. So I used to think that this kind of mm, methodology <coughs> that I see so often is very similar to what happens when we go to a supermarket. Like you know where the cheese is, the cheese is with the dairy, the the, the, the deodorant are with the things that you put in your skin, like the categories are very well, uh, how do you say that? Defined. So for me, that was a, a concern when I wa went to when I started making exhibitions, like how to challenge this book approach of the exhibition, and how to create an experience for the spectator, like different from reading a book. And yeah. So I have things in this computer and in this computer, so this is going to be very performative. Mm, so uh, in this first example that I'm going to tell you, I didn't have the chance to, mm, I didn't have the chance to choose a space. Uh, in the city I live in, we have just one museum, 
uh, and it's a private museum. And the, there is no like a like a program, like a, I don't know, like a apuesta. There is no a program. But in this museum, the, this museum is so important for the people. So they told me, would you like to make an exhibition? We have a free slot. Do something, whatever you want. So this was the prompt. And I have this white cube here. And then I enter to the space and I start to see the characteristics of the space. Mm. I find it, and I found that there was like a corner, like a dark corner. They asked me to, I oh no, it wasn't like that. They asked me to make an exhibition about a book that a famous writer from my city uh, wrote about salsa music, and it was it became an important uh, book because uh, he's so he's a very well writing writer. But the story says that the the main character, a woman, that was a bourgeois woman, when she uh, gets in touch with salsa, she starts to question all her class values and she became like a prostitute at the end of a whole process of being in touch with the nightlife of the city and this uh, salsa music and nightlife are so important for the cultural, social, <coughs> economically things in the city and it always is seen as something ban banal peino, peino? Mm -hmm. so that was one of my concerns like um, why do we think that this is Beno? And why don't we see knowledge in, this, in these practices? That was one of the things I was thinking. Um, what else? Uh, another concern I have is how to know if, since it's an exhibition of a book, how to not make a book again, and how to not just place papers on the wall and how to not choose art pieces that are a representation of the topic that he is talking about in the book. So I uh, starting, I start, I asked uh, a lot of artists from my generation, asking them, I choose the artists that use the same procedure than the author, that he, what, he used to go to some neighborhoods different from the ones he grew up and start documenting what happened in those neighborhoods regarding in terms of dance. So I proposed to artists that were interested in going to different neighbors, neighborhoods than the ones they grew up to see what kind of pieces they make in these other neighborhoods. And the question there is like, how do you represent the other and through that? So I was trying to see the different uh, works they were making in these neighborhoods. And I, see, I saw a lot of women recording uh, dance steps in these neighborhoods. So I started to see that there was something happening between these dance steps. 
like the dance steps that were produced in the 40s and 50s were different than the ones that were produced in the 70s and different than the ones that were produced in the 70s, 80s. So I'm going to explain that with some videos soon, but before we are there. So I'm going back. So since I since I uh, since I found uh, this characteristic of the videos that there was a historical modification in the way people dance, and for me that was meaningful. Uh, the first thing I could have chosen is put here all the videos that were of the that were depicting the dances of the 40s, here the ones of the 70s, and here of the 90s, and we are done. No, and I would, with this choice, I would reinforce this idea of linear time that that bothers me in a way. So when I enter to the space, I start to feel there with no methodology, just trying to feel how my body feels in the space. And I feel that there is a very special dark corner and I start to feel the height of the ceiling. Um, and I try to think which rhythm can I create inside this space with the pieces I already have. Like, how can I create a rhythm as, as if I was making music? Like, songs of intensity, songs that are more chill, um, songs of cacophony. Like, I think of a melody when I'm trying to display the, the things in the space. Mm. And I'm also questioning myself with which kind of experience I want to generate. So. Do I want uh, the body to be immersive? Uh, is it important that people feel something with their feet? Because we are talking about dance steps. Is it important uh, that they are able to see all the pieces at this height? Or I want to put the pieces in different heights so the body is like hunting the pieces? So. These very basic questions is the things that I start uh, trying to answer to see, to imagine a body walking in this space. So which kind of inputs, which kind of effects I would like to, and try to not build something that is flat. So in the 40s and 50s, the way of dancing was more like slow, like uh, balls, balls, this European ball. It was more like this, it came from Cuba. And then in the 70s, something I, what I understood when I was seeing the videos, but this was an, an hypothesis, is that the rhythms and the way of dancing change in the same moments that the economy changed in the city. So for me, economy and rhythm, I stated that there was a relationship between economy and rhythm. It doesn't matter, I might be wrong, 
maybe there is no, maybe I invented the relationship. But what if we think that there is a relationship? So for me, it is important in the curatorial uh, uh, yeah, work uh, to make this kind of, but I, I don't force them. Like I don't say, oh, yeah, I have to have an hypothesis. I just saw it. Uh, but I don't care if they are true. I try to, how do you say, llevarlas hasta las últimas consecuencias. To push it to the furthest extreme. <laughs> yes. Take it as far as possible. Yeah. So in the 70s, uh, something happened in the economy that was that industrialization was a very fast process and the erasing of the rural side of Colombia or the rural culture was uh, erased in a very violent way. And it was also the, the decade where the United States arrived with the whole, with all its culture like fully in the context. So this way of dancing that I was describing that was more like easy going, more rural, I would say. Also the music, the lyrics were more talking about farmers and the life in the rural areas. And then in the 80s, that is the year when the drug dealing conflict was more like, uh, I don't know when it started, but the drug dealing conflict was very powerful. All the salsa music also changed and became more uh, romantic and pornographic. And also the way of dancing became more uh, less like acrobatic but more like pornographic also. And the steps weren't necessary anymore, more, more like the friction of the bodies and the sexual movements and etc. And the music, all the political lyrics and all the power of the beat uh, became something completely different and something more flat and romantic, I would say. And Yes, so for me, this wasn't a coincidence. Like, the, narco, the, the, the drug dealing conflict has a relationship with a pornographic approach because all the buildings that they made uh, is based on a pornographic. I, I don't know if, I, if I'm making clear with the, this pornographic case, like that everything has to be shown. So this, this this kind of aesthetic of the, that was brought with the drug dealing conflict was also reflected in the bodies and in the way of dancing and in the music. For, so for me, this hypothesis that I was thinking, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, I'm not doing it like academically correctly, but it's a possibility to think that opens up a new way of studying and linking to things that are not supposed to go together. And then uh, the, the dancing and the music didn't change so much over the years, but in 2010, more or less, it started Salsa Choque, the one that I showed you yesterday. Um, and people started to dance. Otra vez. This is the... So for all these years, before Salsa Choque, people uh, were dancing in couples. And they split the night. 
Okay, so in the something that was very special of this rhythm is that it mixes uh, the folk music from the Pacific Coast. I'm gonna talk about the Pacific Coast food. So this is Colombia. This is the Pacific Coast, and here is Cali where I live. And Buenaventura is a port where all the records came from. So it's an important thing that I'm gonna go back later. And what I was saying that and in Buenaventura they invented this new dance. And the, this new dance has folk music from this song that is from uh, and this region is like the this region and the north part of Colombia is the most uh, Afro-Colombian population uh, is located here. So they uh, in the rhythm they put folk music from here, uh, hip hop and and classical salsa. So for me it was like a symptom also of globalization, like how everything is mixed in the same product, let's say. So this was my uh, statement, in a way, for to building this exhibition. So I don't know if you can see, I'm trying to, to make it explicit, the difference between doing a thematic exhibition and an exhibition that has an hypothesis, that is proposing, let's read this in this different way that we have. So I started to find some videos and decide where to where to place them. and 
at a certain point of our life, everyone kills themselves because there's nothing else to do. They raise this big me. So for me, it was interesting that the and, and this writer killed himself when he got this book uh, printed for the, the day they, they gave it to him. So for me, it was interesting that uh, these birds that we relate them with death were there in like in the beginning with the voice of the so the space can you differentiate it from the map of Colombia? So it has two entrances. So I also wanted to create the possibility that either way where you enter the exhibition there was like a circular narrative of the things. So as I told you I didn't place like uh, first you're gonna see the dance of the 40s, then the 60s, then the... So I put in the introduction the video that for me show it, uh, like the first thing with, that you saw when you enter to a space is this big video of that I show first that the people were jumping. Okay, Because for me it was... Uh, in the dance itself, you can show the approach that I was trying to, this mix between economy and dancing. Um, and I have this big space here, and a friend of mine, uh, she did this sculpture. Uh, have you seen this artist from the minimalist movement that is called Hart Landre? That he does pieces that are like industrial pieces of right angles and everything very geometric and an aesthetic very of the industrialization time. But she does like a Carl Andre but for dancing on it. So it's like a criollo. So I have this in the space. Then I have this uh, separation there, this separation here. And I wanted to create like since it was the main space, I wanted to create like a big uh, statement. So I wanted the most powerful image to have it there, and just because. So I had to decide because the most powerful image, it was, uh, it belongs to a movie, and I couldn't project the whole movie in the whole exhibition, so I have to decide what part, and I have two parts so in a way, I just uh, make a, a decision that could be banal, but for me it's based on the materiality of the piece, that here all the video is like there in heaven, and I have these grounded pieces, so for me it was like a, a relationship. And I wanted to create this with them. But I also had a little, a little piece of this movie that is a, re a party, a recorded party in Guernaldura. It's just a party. So I have this, I have selected these two pieces. And I have to decide which one was more important, but which one was more uh, has more text, texture, and I'm going to explain. I'm going to go back to these two pieces later. And then, then I started to to find which was the most appropriate 
uh, space for each video, but I still I had this black spot here, and I was like, which kind of piece does this space need? And I have another piece that I couldn't find that is up, but it's in the pictures. That behind this, behind this door, there is this dark space that you can see here. I don't know if you can see that there is like a phantom. Mm -hmm. like, so this video appeared and disappeared. And uh, the artist recorded a marimba, a marimba playing that is from this part of the Colombia. It's like a typical instrument. Um, and this, this, I asked everyone, all the artists, if I could present the piece without audio. And the only audio that was uh, like loud in the whole uh, exhibition space was the one that belonged to this, to this piece. So for me, I didn't know at the beginning what to do with this dark space. And it suddenly uh, came out that this piece was the one to place there because the sound was so beautiful, but also it was like phantasmagoric and it was like hidden. Like visually it was hidden, but audially was the most present piece. And for me, the, the, the audio uh, wraps together all the rhythms that are being silent, silent absent in the rest of the videos. So that's a little example of how at the beginning this was just a special pro problem, like what to do with this corner, and very practical and stupid. And then the, the work that needed the most is the space. By placing it there, then I found something new that I didn't thought before. Like, oh my God, what this has in common, all this rhythm, is these Afro roots that are represented in a way in the sounds and in the beat. So it was like a, I didn't thought it at the beginning, but just because I listened to the space, what it is, and I did, I took, I made a decision based on banal things, then I discovered a new layer of what I was researching. Mm, I don't know if keep showing this example, maybe. But something, but this is, I think this is an example, and I give just quick things of uh, this trying to think through space. Uh, ah, no, something else. At the end, after this dark part, was this, this little room. And this artist was, uh, the, he, her piece was dealing with the drug dealing conflict because she is the uh, daughter of a drug dealer and she's very obsessed with that. And she wanted to uh, study how movement in their bodies of people change in this drug dealing uh, era. And what, oh, good um, 
So here outside we have the, the curatorial sound. Here is this girl, this uh, drug dealing conflict. And remember the birds that were here? The birds and the, the ball with the, the party ball? And she was here and these things that is related with the African roots of the sound It created something here in a way. Like, I didn't plan it. I just thought that at the beginning it was the place where they should be, but just placing it there, I started to create some relationship between these three things. Like, for example, the drug dealing conflict was uh, the moment in which we had more party and more vices, and the economy of the drug dealing is based on parties like the drug itself at night and is where everyone consumes. So our economy is very linked to death. So for me, just by placing these things together, there is a suggestion, it's not, I'm not saying that, it's just a suggestion by placing them together that is a relationship between party, uh, the excess of party and dying and our economy and also, I, I place here some little videos that were talking about the myth of the devil that I told you before that linked the economy of the drug dealing with an African practice, uh, the, a practice that came from Africa that was this dealt with the devil. So it creates a song that I'm not stating anything but it's a zone of proximity that could lead us to bring some new connections of things we haven't seen before. Mm. And the other exhibition, so, so the museum, the museum where it is located, has a lot of green areas, and different spaces with different uses. And something that interested me with, about this museum is like without pretending to be, it's like a public space. So people usually don't go inside to see the exhibitions, but they use the, the surroundings of the museum to do yoga classes, or some dancers meet there and do the rehearsals there. And this is not something that the, that the museum has programmed. It's just because the space is so well located uh, that people use it as a place of encounter. And there is a lack of public spaces in Cali. So the museum is here. And the road where it is, is the one that connects Cali to Buenaventura, to this port that I was speaking about. So for me, in a way, this I'm talking about another exhibition, and I'm trying to list uh, to make a list of the things that I had in mind that create the context for this next exhibition. So first, it was that the museum is a public space that has several spaces within the museum because it has uh, an amphitheater. So it's a for 
for a lot of concerts, so the place that this museum has had in the music development of the region is so important, more than in visual arts. Also have a small theater inside, have multiple uh, exhibition spaces, and also have some jardines, gardens. So for me, it was important in this exhibition that uh, it wasn't a visual exhibition enclosed in a little space, but it was something open air, like something that keeps reminding the city that this is a place of encounter and almost the only one we have in the city. So I wanted to do something with music and outside the, the, the white cubes or the, the rooms. So those were some of my concerts. And also in that moment, I have another concern in mind is that we don't have like good schools of art in Cali. And in the 90s, we didn't have any platform, any nothing about art, but we have a festival. It was a performance festival. And for most of us, this performance festival was like a, our school. And for me, it was interesting that a performance festival was so important in our story and never talk of any school talk about performativity or performance. So I had that question in mind. So I wanted to make an exhibition of performances outside and to question what this notion of performativity means and why do I think it's important in our context. Uh, but also, Cali uh, uh, has become this museum of salsa, like all the records that arrive through an Andula, there are a lot of collectors of records, and they gather monthly, and they, ma they make public their collection in the public. So for me, it was a nice format, like it's a format in which the visual is not so important, and what they do in this format is that they lecture, like about history, or yeah, especially historical facts through music. And they put like a stage, and the stage is no one, and there is nothing, just the parlantes, the speakers. And you go to see a show that it has nothing to see, but everything to listen to. And I thought this was a, uh, for me, it was a way of gathering around knowledge in other ways, in more bodily ways, in more, like, uh, it is so obvious that music is a way in which we circulate knowledge, but no one talks about it. No one recognizes as as it. So I wanted to take this format and invite some artists to think about this format and make an exhibition uh, having that in mind. So, um, so that's another way, like another layer of the space. The space is located close to the road that leads you to Buenaventura, where are the port where the records came from. And also it's a museum that makes a big statement on the importance of sharing around music 
and sharing in an open air spaces, public spaces. So it was a kind of uh, reinforced this kind of things. And it's just, um, yeah, it was, it is thinking too through the materiality of the space, but also um, through the uses of the space and the history of the space and where is it located. And I told the people of the museum that I didn't want to make an exhibition in a white cube, but they refused. They said, you have to be held because we have to do the programming and we, don't, we can't have an empty. So what I did is having an almost empty room and everything happened outside the museum. So what I put inside the, the empty room is the documents that the, the that the artists were talking, this is the, the room inside. So the records they were talking about, it was just the image of the record. So it's like, it was a way of stating that uh, the documents are there, but you have to be there with when the artist is there in order to really unfold that document. Like the document is nothing in itself, Without it's in it's without the way we read it, we read it. 